I had actually three months of like one, you know, every single hour was like this hour that we're going to have today, okay? Every single hour for three months from leaders from all over the world, you know, big, I mean, I mean, these, these, these big shots, okay? Big shots would come and teach us how to do leadership and leadership skills and all this stuff, right? It was actually the most tremendous time of my entire schooling life in history. In my history was those three months. It was like a roller coaster all day long, okay? It was very, very powerful. So that has, has, has laid actually a, a, a foundation for, for me to understand leadership and the importance of leadership. After that, I went to study at the Adventist Seminary in Bogenhofen in, in, in Austria, um, theology. And then, actually, during that time, here's what happens, you know. God, God um, called me to go help start a ministry in Honduras. I was 20 years old at the time, okay. 20 years old. How many of you are above 20? Okay. So, I was 20 years old. And, and, and um, the Lord opened the doors. And I actually wasn't, I wasn't really inclined to, to go. But the Lord was so clear to show me that this is what I needed to do. That I couldn't say, I couldn't say, no, I don't, I don't want to go. I'll be going directly against God's will. So I'm like, okay, Lord, let's do it, right? All right. So, so, so I went over there with my friend, the friend who had invited me from Honduras, Jose. And we started a, a ministry in Honduras, in Central America, with a school and, and different things, we started a, a, a mission school, a Bible school, the Central American Bible School, an elementary school, okay, a bilingual elementary school, and different things, different businesses, and, and uh, a tamarind plantation with, with uh, 1,600 trees of tamarind, a big production plant and so forth, selling tamarind, marketing, all this stuff, you know, and we had a guava plantation and all kinds of things, okay? I mean, a lot of things that you can imagine, lifestyle, work, and so forth, right? And, and believe me, we started with all of this. I mean, the first thing we did when I came there, we were like, okay, let's, we need to develop a juridical identity. I'm like, what's a juridical identity, right? I mean, I had no clue, no clue. I had never heard of the word bylaws before, right? Never heard of it. So suddenly I had to develop an organization with all these bylaws on how everything functions, how a committee works. I'd never been on a committee before, never been on a board before. So I didn't know about the chairman and, and, and how the Roberts Rules of Order, and I had no idea, right? And suddenly we had to run an organization like that, and we're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> help us out, right? Help us out. And show us what to do. And so step by step, you know, we started getting on the internet and finding out, okay, this is how we need to do. And business management, you know, business management is more about entrepreneurship than about anything else. If you learn how to get in there and find your information, hey, now even Harvard and all these universities, they post all of their, all of their content online for free. Did you know that? It's all for free. Yeah, you can get it all. You can get it all yourself, right? So if you learn how to do entrepreneurship, right? Oh man, it's so much faster. You grow very quickly while doing it. Okay. So anyway, so so getting into into these things, 
um, I realized, man, we, you know, what, what really is important, what is not important. And we made a bunch of mistakes, believe me. Believe me, being 20 years old and Jose also 20 years old, we were like, you know, and we were like the oldest ones in the property, okay, in the project, you know. And running this organization, being a president of an organization, oh man, it's like, you have no idea, you know, about, about, about you know, yeah, when you're 20 years old, you know, you're, it's kind of, you're still a kid. I mean, I don't know if I can say that, but at least I felt like that, okay. Maybe you guys are more mature than I was, but anyway. But but that's 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 how I that's how I, I perceived it, right? So we were we were there trying to you know figure out and, and suddenly and in the beginning it was it was it was not so bad, it was not so not so big because it was just Jose and I and myself, you know, and we were kinda of managing and church planting, we started a church and, 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 and Bible work and different things. But then as time went on, we started having like, you know, seven twenty missionaries that were working there that we were employing, okay? Employing to do, you know, mission work, to do lifestyle work, to, to run the school, a director for the school, a, a director for the, for the elementary school, right? And I mean, all these things. And suddenly, I mean, you had to have policies and you had to have procedures and you have to have all these things into, in order for you to be able to run an organization smoothly, right? You had to have executive committees. You, I, mean, I mean, the whole nine yards. In the beginning, man, we were just... You know, at night we would just, you know, be in bed and think about what what do we want to do, what do we want to do next, you know. So I would suggest, you know, pray a little bit, you know, suggest, hey, why don't we start a brick business, a brick factory? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. All right, let's do it. <laughs> that's it, you know. Now later that doesn't work anymore. When you have an executive committee, you have to you know have to go through executive committee, which is useful because we could have made a lot less mistakes if we had that earlier, right? But you know, God teaches you as you go. So that's that's really important. And from there, okay, running running a ministry like that, you know, fairly small, you know, maybe twenty people and then maybe ten students there and then eventually in, in now now we have like thirty 30 students in the elementary school and you know that that's that's kind of the and then a bunch of employees obviously for the tamarind plantation and so forth but that's kind of the size it's not it's not it's not huge right it's kind of small that young dynamic you know students but then when i got called this was a year and a half ago when i got called i got called a two years ago i got called to go and serve at uh, wildwood do you guys know about Wildwood? All right. Wildwood is like one of the oldest, if not the oldest institution in self-supporting in, in medical missionary work, right? So anything that has to do with medical missionary, you know, they have a hospital and a lifestyle center and a clinic and, and, and college. They're training 80 students. We're training 80 students um, every year. They're on campus and then, and then about 140 or so at this point with the new online school that we just started this year and and uh and it has a city mission a restaurant and a health food store and an herb shop and, a, and an elementary school and a uh, you know any i mean just about anything you can imagine a carpentry shop an auto mechanic shop and all these things right and it's 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 a it's a it's a big institution it's like a big old you know you know monster this is what i thought when they gave me a call, right? I'm like, 
they gave me a call. I, I laughed in his face actually when he when he when he when he called me. I'm like, <laughs> James, James, James Hartley was the one that called me. He's like, I'm like, James, I am not coming to Wildwood, right? And he's like, come on, man, you just you know just pray about it, you know. I'm like, okay, I'll pray about it. I just told him to just kind of get him, you know, get him off of the phone, you know. But guess what, you know. Long story short, and I landed in Wildwood. <laughs> I thought I had a hard time, you know, running five to ten students in in in, in Honduras, and now they're now they're having me run. 80 students. How can I take care of 80 students, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm overwhelmed with five of them, you know? So how am I going to do this with eight, with 80, right? So I really had to think about leadership skills and had to think about how can I use my time most effectively and how to train missionaries in the most effective way, right? And so thinking about all of these things, this is where the, this list uh, comes into comes into play that we're going to study right now. All right, that's that's a little bit of a an idea of of where I'm coming from. So that's has been my privilege for the last year and a half to um, to direct the the Wildwood College of Health Evangelism. We have different courses, by the way. At this point in time, um, we have an English course, a six-month health evangelism course, medical missionary course, and a Spanish one, same thing in Spanish, and also the online, online school in that, and then a ministry management course, teaching people how to, how to run city missions, how to run restaurants and health food stores and any type of ministry, actually, and the other advanced course, and they're, they're built on, upon each other, so everybody has to go through the basic and then to the advanced either the, the management course or the lifestyle counselor course where you learn how to work in a lifestyle center. You learn how to, how, to disease, you know, how to treat diseases and how to help people effectively in their homes or, or in a lifestyle setting. And then the combination of those, which is lifestyle center management. That takes up to about three years, three and a half years, including the practical. So those are the different courses. And for each course... You know, I have a I have a coordinator, somebody that runs that course. So if I if I had to run all the courses by myself, oh man, it would be one big disaster. Anyway, by the Lord's grace, actually, you can do anything, right? You can do absolutely anything. But let's go to the first point. What's the first point? You remember? I already mentioned it. Time. Oh. Yeah. Time management. Time management. And we're going to see time management go through all the principles that we're going to study this morning because time management is where everything finds its effect. Okay, Every principle that, that we learn, you have, it changes your way of, of managing your time. Let me read you two quotes concerning time management. And this is how powerful time management is. A few moments here and a few there that might be frittered away in aimless talk. The morning hours so often wasted in bed. Do you have that experience? No. Not at all, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all human, right? 
Uh, we're all in the same boat, okay? The time spent in traveling on trams or railway cars or airplanes or whatever, or waiting at the station, the moments of waiting for meals, waiting for those who are tardy in keeping an appointment. Are you tardy for your appointment or are you the one waiting for the person that is tardy for your appointment? Let me ask you that. You know that Eloi gives a counsel and this is a, this is a divine counsel. It says, never be late for an appointment. Never be late for an appointment. By God's grace only, right, can we never be late for an appointment. Now, that's the principle. That's the goal to be achieved, right? Sometimes there are circumstances and things that, that you can't, you know, you can't control. So some things happen. But, but we need to learn to try to be on time for any appointment that you have, okay? That's, that is, is, is vitally important. It's vitally important for your credibility, for your leadership, and, and for everything that you do, okay? So never be late for an appointment. Um, the, the quote continues, <coughs> If a book were kept at hand, and these fragments of time were improved in study, in reading, or careful thought, what might not be accomplished? A resolute purpose, persistent industry, and careful economy of time will enable men to acquire knowledge and mental discipline which will qualify them for almost any position of influence and usefulness. Wow! Reference, Christ's Object Lessons, page 343. This is... How important is this? If you, know, not, if you don't understand anything else, but you understand how to manage your time, God can use you in almost any position in the world. Okay? Almost any position in the world if you know how to utilize your time. So this, this principle is very important, right? So not waste your time in anything any small little detail that you're, that, that you're doing, right? Don't waste your time. Use your time. Analyze your time, okay? And use it in all these dead moments of your day. Usually you have at least one to two hours of dead moment throughout the day. If you can use two, those two hours in something, man, you can, you can really advance, right? You can get way more knowledge than what than 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 anybody else because you have because you can you can suddenly use two hours of your day in something that you didn't use it at all before, right? Knowledge, the acquiring of knowledge is power, right? It's power that you can use for the advancement of the gospel. So 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 the usage of time actually it trains your mind, it trains your your, it develops your knowledge. It develops all kinds of things, right? So that's really important. Let me read you another verse. And this is very practical, very practical for, for your time management. This quote 
has been to me one of the most revolution quotes. Rev- how do you say that? Revolution, thank you. Hey, that's excellent. A revolutionary quote that has changed my entire life drastically, okay, dramatically. And praise the Lord, and by God's grace, is this can do it for you too. Let me read it to you, and you'll see what I mean. It says, the title of the, of the chapter, or of, the, of that section, is in Child Guidance, page 124. It says, the value of, daily, of a daily program. All right. As far as possible. This is how interested God is in the way we use our time. Okay? Listen to this. This is how interested God is. I thought that was just a good idea. But actually, God tells us how we should manage our time effectively. Let me read it to you. As far as possible, it is well to consider what is to be accomplished throughout the day. Listen to this. Make a memorandum of the different duties that await your attention and set apart a certain time for the doing of each duty. What's a memorandum? Make a memorandum. What is a memorandum? Yeah, it's a to-do list. Exactly. So you write down every day in the morning when you get up, every day write a to-do list. Write everything under prayer. Write everything that, that needs to get done. Okay? I do this. Praise the Lord for iPhones, right? I have a to-do list app, right? And you can put in all of your to-do list. I do this every day. Write down... What, what all the things that you need to get done, right? Man, it really keeps you on track. So you're like, you're getting, you're getting everything done that you need to get done because you have a to-do list, because you know what you're heading for, right? You're planning your day according to this, right? Now, not only doing a to-do list, but what do you need to do in, in, with the to-do list? Two things you need to do. Read it and do it. Yeah, exactly. You need to, before you put it into your schedule, you need to prioritize your to-do list, right? So, for instance, I have in my, in my app, I have a, a to-do list for, for that day with all the priorities up front, on top, right? And then I have a second page where I have the to-do list for the week, Okay. And you prioritize accordingly so that you don't get overwhelmed with all of these things that you need to get done, right? There's, there's different areas of, you know, you need to divide your, your tasks into different areas. What are the different areas? There's some tasks that are urgent but are not important, right? This, this corner, right? Urgent, they need to get done, but they're not really important. And then there's the tasks that are urgent and important, right? Those are the most crucial tasks, right? Those need to be on the top of your list. And then there's tasks that are important, but they're not urgent, right? So those you put on for the week, okay? Those are important, but not urgent. Or depending on what task it is, um, you need to reoccur- have reoccurring times, time frames where you can schedule your time to, to work on something, right? If you're working for a presentation at Impact Scandinavia, you know, you need to schedule your time 
on a weekly basis to work on that, right? So that, and then there's the last, the last, um, the last section, which is what? Not important. not important and not urgent. What do you do with those? <laughs> Get them out of your way, right? As much as possible, right? If they're not important, then you really don't need them, right? So that's where that's where like uh, you know TV and stuff like that comes in there, right? So you get you get yeah Facebook, you know you get rid of that, not necessarily get rid of it. Like I have Facebook, I have Facebook, but I look at it like you know what every two weeks, you know like for maybe five minutes, you know somebody wrote me, you know over contacted me over Facebook, you know then you gotta you gotta write them back, right? But it's not a, it's not something you want to spend your time on, right? If you spend your time on that, you know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna really waste your time, right? So that's that's very important. Actually, you know Dr. Nedley? He he says something. He says he says you know that uh, rich men didn't get rich by watching TV. Rich people didn't get rich by watching TV. So you can actually, you can't reach rich people usually unless they've gotten older, right? Or something. You can't reach them by TV because they don't waste their time. Why do they get rich? Yeah, because they use everything that they have, everything that they can find. They direct it to make themselves rich, right? That's what they direct themselves for. Actually, Elamite says that God has given us, all of us, a desire, a natural desire, a God-given desire of accumulation of wealth. Did you know that? <laughs> that surprised me when I read that, right? God has given us a God-given desire for the accumulation of wealth, not to be used for ourselves, but for what? For the advancement of mission work, for the advancement of God's kingdom. That was why. Actually, we're supposed to live as, as, how do you say? As poor or as needy as we, as anybody else. You shouldn't be able to tell that you're rich. Nobody should be able to tell that you're rich, you know, you know according to the Bible. But you use all of the money that, that you accumulate for the advancement of the gospel. That's the, that's the whole idea. So, so, so that's where our, our problems come in, right? Is when we fail to prioritize correctly. Alright? So, doing a to-do list, um, prioritizing your to-do list, and then scheduling your to-do list. Okay? Schedule. It says there, it says, and set apart a certain time for the doing of each duty. So you need to schedule your day. You need to schedule your week, actually. Right? You need to schedule what am I going to do at what time? Where am I going to do this? Where am I going to do that? Right? That's very, very important that you schedule your time um, so, that, so that you will be much, much more efficient if you do this correctly. Alright? Does that make sense? Is that practical for you? Excellent. In Christ's Object Lessons, the chapter 25 on talents, the talents that we discussed about yesterday, you know, 
Ellen White says that Jesus was the master time manager. He was the best time manager that this world has ever known. Jesus, you know, we, we, know, we know Jesus usually as like, a, you know, a very loving and kind and uh, like walking around and helping people, right? But Jesus, every day, would manage his time to the utmost extent of knowing what he's going to use his time in in everything that he does. Amazing. Quite amazing, right? Every time he says, excuse me, the time for this has not yet come. Did you, have you noticed that? Yeah, he always says that, right? Yeah, because he manages his time. He knows when he's going to do what, right? He knows, okay, that's when I'm going to do this, right? That's when I'm going to go to the cross, right? He knows, right? He knows. He knows because he manages his time. He knows what he's going to do, when he's going to do it. Now, the next point that we're going to discuss, the next point is, it has to do also with time management. All points have to do with time management. The next point is planning. Am I spelling it right, Mama? All right. She's an English teacher, you know, she, she always corrects me if I, if I make a mistake. All right, planning. Planning is, is crucially important for, 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 your, for your leadership. Actually, you're always at an advantage if you plan. You're an advantage f- and to everybody around you if you plan ahead, right? If you don't have a plan, what happens? You plan to fail, right? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's, that's, it's, it's very important. Every single day, if you don't plan your day out, you're, 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 you're going to plan to fail that day. If you don't know, oh, which seminar should I go to, you know? And you kind of roam around and you, oh, here's the door open. Okay, let me sit in here, right? Have you felt that? Okay, th- that's that's where that's where most probably you will get less out of out of what you're going to be studying than if you had in the morning prayed about what you're going to do, which seminar I'm going to go to. Go to I'm going to say, "I, Lord, what do you want me to learn today?" Oh, I want to go to this seminar. Damn. And then you're going to be much more receptive because because you've planned for that, right? Because God has has told you, "Okay, do this. Go here," right? So you're going to be a lot more receptive. You're going to learn a lot more. If you go on a committee without a plan, believe me, you're not going to be a useful board member. That's the truth. If you plan ahead of time, you're always going to have an advantage. Always going to have an advantage. Now, in planning, what is the first step in planning? Has anybody done a business plan before? What's the first step in business planning? Huh? Huh? Well, okay, yeah, you have to do all this research and all this stuff, right? Huh? Yeah, what do you want to accomplish, right? What is your goal? What is your definite aim? Amen. That's the term of the weekend, right? What is your definite aim? What is your goal? What do you want to achieve? What is your objective? If you don't have a, a goal then you're not going to be able to do any of this. Actually, you won't be able to manage your time wisely. 
this is how I manage my time. You can't prioritize unless you know what your priority is, right? So if you know your priority, if you know, okay, I need to... My goal is what? What's, what's our goal? According to the quote? Right, we're going to preach the gospel unto all nations in this generation, okay? In like, what, 30 years, okay? This is, this is our goal. This is my goal, my personal goal. All I do, everything that I, that I do, my education, my work, my, um, my, my, my daily schedule, what I, what I do, if I decide to come to Impact Scandinavia or not, if I come and do this seminar or not, what is my goal? My only goal in everything is to, to preach the gospel unto all nations in this generation and prepare people that, that everybody can do likewise, right? That's, that's my goal. That's all I do all day long is prioritize according to that goal, right? Does that make sense? So we need to, we need to put our, our education into those lines. We need to put our job into that line, into that goal. If we don't have that, then we're not prioritizing right. We're not using our time wisely. Does that make sense? That's really, that's, that's very important, okay? We need, to, we need to have the definite aim because according to that, then everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. You know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, ah, did I think about uh, bringing fireworks fireworks for for New Year's Eve, right? And 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 for me I was actually surprised by that by that question, right? I had not thought in fireworks for years. I've not thought about it. Not that it's bad. I'm not saying that it's bad, you know? But it's why why do I not think about fireworks? Or why do I not think about TV? Why do I not think about uh, spending time on Facebook all day long? Why? Why not? It doesn't occur to me. It doesn't occur to me because, because this is my focus. This is what I'm going to be doing. And uh, how, how does fireworks play into this? Uh, I can't find, you know, I wish I could, but I can't find a time slot to make this happen. You know what I mean? So not that it's bad. But it, but but it's not my, it's not part of my priority, you know. I I could go watch and see some fireworks, you know. You know what I mean? You don't also have any interest for that either. So. Yeah, no interest, no interest, because my interest is in preaching the gospel, right? My interest is the definite aim, right? So so according to that, everything else starts falling into place, and you start you start to be able to manage your time much more effectively and you will be way more useful in in mission work especially right if you if you define your aim as that right so but it works with anything right LOI gives an example of these these rich people right they get rich because they put every effort into making themselves rich that's their goal right their goal is to get rich and, and they drive everything, all of their friends, all of their resources, all of their time, everything. They're making themselves rich and they get rich. If you don't do that, you won't get rich. Believe me. Right? 
It doesn't work like that. It works like this. So if we do that, that's when we're going to finish the gospel commission. If we don't do that, well, we're not going to finish the gospel ever, right? If we think it's good enough to invest two hours of a week in doing mission work, what's going to happen to mission work? It's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. We're going to be here for another thousand years if we, if we continue the same path that we have been doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, another thousand years or more, you know. Anyway. All right. Planning as part of planning. Um, yeah, you need to, before you start something, you need to have the end in your mind already. That's same, same, same program. Priority meetings. Okay. As part of planning, um, I want to mention the term metacognition. Metacognition. Metacognition means... What does it mean? To think about what, uh, you, what you are doing. Exactly. Think about what you're thinking. Okay? <laughs> metacognition. It's basically you're going outside of yourself and looking at yourself and saying, what is going on? Right? What are you doing? What are your priorities? What we're doing right now is kind of a little bit of metacognition, right? You're going outside of yourself and you're analyzing. This is a very, very important leadership skill under planning that every day in the morning you plan, in the evening you do metacognition. In the evening you think about your day, okay? Think about your day and invest. Say, okay, I'm going to invest 10 minutes, Believe me, if you do 10 minutes, soon it's going to be 30 minutes. Because you really enjoy, it's, it's one of the most, ref, it's, it's one, of the, one of the best times of your day. If you can sit down and say, okay, evaluate your day. What, what went well? What didn't go well? What did I do right? What, where did I mess up? Right? If you do this on a daily basis, man, you know how your efficiency grows? Right? Your efficiency grows exponentially because every day you're learning, oh, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done this. Okay, then you, next day you automatically don't do it or you do it much less, right? If you don't do metacognition, if you don't think about reflective thinking, right? If you don't do that, then, then you're going to do the same mistake next day, same mistake the next day, same mistake the next day, and you're never going to grow, right? So if you do that, if you just put some time, and guess what? This is one of the most powerful tools in postmodern Europe to reach people. Because if you can make people think, people start listening to their conscience. And everybody has a conscience. Right? This is very powerful. Actually, it's a very powerful tool. If you tell people, tell any secular person, do you do metacognition? You know, Do you... Do you Reflect on your day at the end of the day. Anybody can do this. Anybody, they don't think this is a spiritual thing. It's not a spiritual thing, right? But actually what you're doing is you're setting them up for prayer. It's actually the same thing. They just don't know it, right? That's really important, right? Because you're thinking about your day and you're listening to what? Your conscience, your reasoning, right? 
And that's where God speaks, right? They don't know that it's God, but that God is speaking to them. Oh, you know, you shouldn't have said that to that person like that. You know, that, that, was, that, that really messed up your influence over that person, you know? That's God speaking to the person, right? So that's really important. So you can actually, if you develop thinkers, man, that is, that is a very powerful tool because thinkers are the ones that identify truth over lies, right? It is because the devil's, the devil's means, actually, the devil's way to get us not to, not to be able to identify truth is by making us not be able to think. That's why he puts on the radio and he puts on the TV and he puts on all the distractions that you can think of so that you can't sit down and think. You know? So if you can get quiet, this is one of the problems with the cities, right? Because city life is very, it's like this, right? All the time. And you have a hard time to be able to shut out these things and think. So in the country, like here in Ekebehorn, you know, man, you know, think about your life, you know, man, it's, it's powerful. Actually, people get converted just by spending time in nature. Did you know that? I've, I've met many people that have, have had their conversion just because they had time to think. That's how it works. That's how it works. They think about their life. Metacognition. All right. Knowing yourself is part of metacognition. It's part of, it's part of that. Okay? It's to, to know yourself. Know your capabilities. Know your weaknesses. It's very important so that you don't get yourself into a position that you're not, not good at. Right? So know your calling. Know if you are an executive or if you are an assistant. Personality. You have to know whether you're an assistant or you're an executive. If you're, in a, if you're an assistant and you're in, a, in an executive position, you're going to feel very uncomfortable, right? And everybody else around you feels uncomfortable if you are not an executive by, by, by personality, okay? So that's really important. So figure out what, what, you're, what you're calling is. That's part of metacognition. We could go more into into all of these all of these things there's a whole a life cycle on on organizational structure but most of us don't run an organization so i'm going to leave that out no this is all part of planning it's all part of planning planning your day planning thinking and reflecting is all part of planning next point Next point is mentoring, okay? Mentoring. Mentoring is very, very important. Actually, uh, we could stop the seminar if we get this point on mentoring. Mentoring is very, very useful. Actually, the whole Bible is filled with mentoring. Did you know that Paul had a mentor? Who was Paul's mentor? Mm, Gamaliel was before his conversion Jesus Barnabas that's right Barnabas Barnabas was Paul's mentor was actually the spiritual father of Paul most people don't see that don't identify that but that's that's what that's what his his role was it was Barnabas that said Paul let's go on a trip okay you know we say we call him Paul's Paul's travels. It's actually Barnabas' travels. 
But we call him Paul's travels because Paul, because Barnabas was so effective in mentoring Paul to do the right things that Paul really was able to grow tremendously. Okay? But it was Barnabas that was teaching him how to do all of these things because Paul was a new convert. Right? So Barnabas was, was showing him how to do all these things. Also, we can see, the, if you study the book of Acts, it, it shows it in, 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 the, in the whole book of Acts, how he mentored him. Also, um, Moses mentoring Joshua. Right? It, was, it was nobody else but Joshua that came up with him to the mountain, right? Yeah, he came, he always was closer to him. He learned how to pray by looking at Moses praying, you know. He learned all these things through mentoring. So, mentorship is a biblical concept of, of bridging the gap from non-leaders to leaders, okay. That's, it's very, very important. You train, actually, you are, you will, you will grow in your leadership capacity the quickest if you get mentors. So, so let me recommend to you, find at least three mentors that you can think of that are very spiritually minded and, and that you look up to and that you trust, that they understand, that they know. And it can be, it can be very uh, uh, like a formal mentorship relationship or it can also be an informal mentorship relationship. They don't need to know that they're the mentor. Not necessarily. They can, but they don't have to. But, but it needs to be somebody that you can call at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, Brother, I have a problem. Help me. Right? That's a mentor. Okay? And a mentor is interested not in accomplishing their own goals, is interested in in making your goals successful. That's really important, okay? That's a mentor. So find three people. I have, I have, this has been one of my greatest blessings, you know? If through the mentors that I get, that I, that I, that I have chosen, this is where I learned the most. I learned the quickest because they tell me, and it has to be somebody that can tell you, Jesse, you're doing something wrong here. Okay? That's really important. They have to be able to, bam, and you have to be able and be willing to listen to that person, right? So that's that's very crucial. Actually, you can have a mentor until you're until you're like 80 years old. I know people they're like like highly successful people and they were telling me, they were talking to me and they were telling me, "Oh, you know, I had a conversation with my mentor the other day." I'm like, "You need a mentor?" <laughs> That's why they're successful, absolutely. Because nobody has all the knowledge that they have that they need to be able to be successful. You need to depend on other people that are not in your little bubble that can show you from another perspective, hey, what are you doing? What's going on, right? So that's really important. So you can have mentors for different areas of your life. You can have, you can have a mentor for in, in, uh, in educational lines. For my, in my situation, I have, an, I have a mentor for educational purposes, right? Everything that I talk about in, in, in education, in developing the, the, the college and so forth, I have, I have a special mentor that knows a lot, way more than I do about these things, right? So I have, that, I have that mentor. And they discuss with me, and they also help me on personal basis. Education always goes into everything, right? So, 
So, and, and different other mentors, you know, that, that you can trust, that you think are successful, that, that, uh, that you want to become like them, right? If you want to become like them, then, then that's, a, that's a foundation. Now, at the same time, as, the, as that, that side of mentorship, the other side of it is that you also need to find at least, I would say, three protégés. You know what a protege is? That's the opposite of a mentor, right? So if, if you have a mentor, then you are the protege. Protege is French for uh, the protected one, right? But it actually means simply that you have, you're, you're in this relationship of a mentor and a protege, right? So not only find mentors, but also find protégés. Find protégés because this will actually help you sometimes even more than just even getting a mentor because because when you find a protege when you find some other people around you i have some people usually they're younger than you but i have some people that are older than me right that are my protégés but but they actually help you to realize that people are looking at you and people are learning from you from your good things and from your bad things right and so when you have these people, you learn how to minister to these people like unselfishly to minister and think for these special protégés and choose protégés that you see a lot of potential in. Okay? That you see potential. Oh, this person. Wow. Okay. I think he has potential. And you need to see the potential in people. You need to see the potential that God sees in those people. Right? So if you see that potential, then... then then help that person. And you can do it explicitly or you can also do it, usually as a mentor, you want to do it more implicitly, right? You want to say, hey, you know, I'm going to be your mentor. <laughs> Doesn't work like that, right? <laughs> okay. But that's very practical. Very practical. Find three mentors. Think about three mentors that, you can, that, that, can, that can be a, of, of a great usefulness for you, for your life. And, and, and take people that have an experience in the work of God. If you don't, if you're, it, you know, if you're going to take people from, from, from the world, well, you're going to become like them. You're going to become like the world, you know. So you want to take people that are, that are in the work of God. Otherwise, otherwise, yeah. So you you, you, you want to take mentors that you don't tell them that you, uh, you want to be their mentor? Pro, for, with protégés, yeah. I would suggest um, not to officially approach them and say, hey, can I be your mentor? You know, it's kind of weird, you know? So, you... How would you do that then? You would just take a special interest in them? Yes, uh-huh. You pray for them, you encourage them, you invite them to your home, you, you, you eat with them. This is what I do at, at Wildwood, you know? I have, I have some students. We actually have a whole mentoring program now. We just, we're just implementing that. For every student, every student gets a mentor, you know? Especially every advanced student gets a mentor and they, we connect them with different leaders in the ministry. And so therefore the studies and everything that they do becomes so much more successful because they realize, oh, this is real life, you know? This is not just an educational program. This is real life. This is training me to be a leader in the work, right? In the work of God. So, so, so this mentorship program, actually, you know, in, uh, as part of the curriculum that every student goes through, we have a, a class, and this is not, this is not in, a, in a classroom setting. It's like in an evaluation program where we have all these standards of time management and 
even courtesy and all these character traits that are part of your curriculum and you get a grade on that. You actually get a grade on time management. You know that that grade is 10 times more important than your grade on physiology or anything else that you're studying. It's 10 times more important. You know why? Because if you get a good grade in time management, well, your physiology is going to go well as well, right? That's right. So, you know, our education is so upside down. It's so upside down. We focus on all the minors and all the majors we let out. You know, we don't focus on them. Instead of the opposite, right? So we need to focus our, our studies on time management, on, on courtesy, developing courtesy, you know? Developing social skills, things like that, right? That are way more important than, than all this content that you can find out. Actually, content, you know, the acquirement of content is the lowest level of learning. It's the lowest. It's the cheapest. It's like, it's for, it's for and, and yet that's what we focus on all the time, you know? Oh, we're so messed up in our, in our educational system. Anyway, all right. So that's mentoring. Let's go to the next point. Next point is... Independent thinking. Independent. Excuse me. See? Excellent. Independent thinking. Independent thinking is, is um, also a very, very crucial um, skill of a leader. Actually, all the thinkers... Uh, all the leaders in the world, whether spiritual or secular, you think of all the leaders, Stalin, Hitler, bad or good, okay? Ted Wilson, good guys, you know, and bad guys as well. They're all in leadership because they are what? Because they're thinkers. These guys are not reflectors of other people's thoughts. They're thinkers. They can analyze. They can identify. Actually, those are the latter levels of learning. You know that there's, that there's at least according to, 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 some, to some educators, there's six levels of learning. What are the levels of learning? The first one is knowledge. It's the, it's the lowest level of learning, right? That's what we do in school. Now the world is starting to realize that knowledge is not it. It's not just memorization, but we also need to do what? Practice, exactly. Application. App application. It's the second level of learning. What's the third level of learning? Mm -mm. Let's see. Oh, excuse me. Second level of learning. I'm sorry, I, for, I, I jumped one. Second level of learning is comprehension. Comprehension. With an S? Mm. Comprehension. Third level of learning is okay, to understand what you the content, to actually understand the content. In school, we usually. Often, we just have them, the students, reproduce whatever information we give them, right? It's so stupid. It's like the lowest level of learning, right? So the second level is comprehension. So they already need to understand, reflect. 
and understand the principles behind what they're learning. Third level is application. Application. Fourth level of understanding is what? So they can apply. In this, in third one, they can already apply what they've learned. They can apply these principles um, in, in practice. Fourth level? Not yet? Analysis. Analysis. You're able to analyze the principles and you're able to, to, to take them apart and understand the details, the structure of whatever you're learning, whatever guideline, whatever principle, whatever thing you're learning. Number five is you're not only able to analyze, but you're able to synthesize. Exactly. Synthesis. Syn Synthesis. Synthesize. Exactly. So you're able to analyze a principle. You're able to, 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 to take it apart. And you're actually able to develop, to synthesize means to put together a new principle, right? So you can actually apply all of this stuff that you have and analyze it and make a new thing, make a new system. This is part of inventing, okay? When you're able to invent things, most of our Adventist leaders, Adventist pioneers, these guys were at least at this level. Most of our Adventist pioneers, they were inventors. Did you know that? Protesis and all this stuff, right? They all invented this stuff, right? Kellogg invented hundreds of different, different, different systems and stuff that we use today in all of our gyms, right? He invented all these machines and stuff to, to exercise and so forth. Anyway, so this, this synthesis, okay? They, they can invent stuff. Last level of learning, where was it? Evaluation. Evaluation. Very important, okay? So these ones are the higher level of learning, okay? These ones are the ones, if you're able to do these, that means that you are a thinker, okay? That means that you are now becoming a thinker, that you can not just reflect other people's thoughts, but you can actually think for yourself. You can analyze it, you can, you can synthesize it, and you can evaluate whether something is... Is, is, is good content or bad content or, or it's missing this or, it's, or this and that. This is evaluation, right? So you are able, that's a thinker, okay? Let me read you a quote for this. Um, from the book Education, Education, page um, 17. Famous quote, very important quote. That's the basis of education. Every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the Creator. Individuality, power to think and to do. The men in whom this power is developed are the men who bear responsibilities. So men who are in leadership, they're in leadership because they think. They, they're thinkers. Yes. They are the men who bear responsibilities, who are leaders in enterprises, and who influence character. They're able to influence other people's characters, right? It is the work of true education to develop this power, to train the youth to be thinkers and not mere reflectors of other men's thought. 
That's what, that's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be doing in our schools. But in, instead, we go to all of the secular schools, and what do we learn? We learn to reflect what all these great men of earth think and we lose our souls actually we lose our ability to be able to analyze and think for ourselves the greatest book that was ever written to to develop your intellect the most if you want to be the most intelligent person on this planet what you need to read the bible that's what you need to read actually it has the power to make people be thinkers and not just reflectors of other people's thoughts. Everybody else is just repeating what the Bible has already said. So let's just go to the source, right? If they're saying truth, well, they got it from there, you know? So that's really, really important. We need to train thinkers. Luther was a thinker, you know? Because he was a thinker, that's why he was able to push this whole, this whole Reformation into... Into, into where it's gotten, right? That's is, is very important. His main objective, and this is really important in practice, in our lives, his main objective, even in the Reformation, was not to just tell people about truth versus lies. What was his main objective? Yeah, exactly. He was there to make people think. He was there to tell them, read the Bible for yourselves, right? He's like, okay, you know, Gutenberg, right? You know Gutenberg? Let's print these Bibles, right? They started printing them and distributing to everybody. Read for yourself. Read it. Find out what's truth. That's what he did. And so he started making people think, and suddenly everybody's like, oh, wow, yeah, I had no idea. These guys are saying all these lies. Not because he just preached the truth, but because he made people think. And this is really important, especially in Europe today, doing mission work, advancing the gospel, we're not primarily just preaching truth. Yes, we need to preach truth. Of course, we're not going to preach any lies, right? We need to preach truth. But our primary objective in Bible studies, in things like that, what, it need, what does it need to be? Yeah, we need to make people be able to study for themselves. We need to be able to give them the tools to do metacognition, you know, to think for themselves, to find out, to study the Bibles for themselves. If you give them the tools to study their Bibles, look, they're inevitably going to become Adventists, right? If we have the truth. If we don't have the truth, praise God that he didn't become Adventist. Does that make sense? We're not here to proclaim Adventism. Wow, we want to be Adventists. No, that's not our purpose. What is our purpose? Right. We need to reach people to the truth. We need to make people love the truth over everything. Hey, if there's a church out there that has more truth than the, than the Adventist church, what am I going to do? I'm going to see you later, guys. I'm not Adventist to be an Adventist. I'm Adventist because this is where I have found most of all the truths that are in the Bible. Does that make sense? That's why I'm here. We need to become thinkers, not reflectors. Oh, I'm Adventist because my parents were Adventists. Get out of the church. You know what I mean? That is corrupting Adventism. I'm serious. Don't get out of the church. Actually, study for yourself. <laughs> find out what you need to do, okay? What the truth is, and you'll find out. It's, it's the most intelligent thing that you can do, you know? But real Adventism, okay? Re I'm talking about real Adventism. 
Read it. Study it. Study your Bibles. Study the Spirit of Prophecy. Find out what we believe. Man, it's powerful. It's the most powerful thing. You're not going to want... You know, everything else will be boring to you. Boring as boring can be. I'm telling you, watching soccer is like the most boring thing now. <laughs> if you have this as your aim, I'm serious. It's so powerful, you know. But the gospel needs to take a hold of us, you know. Man, it becomes, it becomes, it becomes life itself. I'm serious. It becomes, it becomes your life. It becomes who you are. You, I can't shut up, you know, with these things. You know what I mean? No, everything you do, everything you say, everything you think, you pray. This is where you're going. Amen. That's what it needs to become. All right. Next point. Next point is develop conscience. Your ability of conscience. Independent thinking is reasoning powers, okay? Reason. This one is conscience. To hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of God. Perception, okay? Perception. Perception. I would also put here consecration in this point alright conscience is, is, is crucially important actually these two these two conscience and reason are the two things that that give us that actually give us our judgment ability our ability to judge whether something's right or wrong our entire being is governed by these two things by our reasoning powers and our conscience reasoning and conscience right they're in the frontal lobe they're right here this is what governs our entire body everything that we do everything that we think everything is governed by our reasoning powers and our conscience i don't know if you've heard of the hierarchy of the mind okay hierarchy of the mind right reason and conscience is the first hierarchy Second is the will, right? The will. Reason and conscience identifies, feeds the will to tell the will what to do, what, to, what decision to take. The will takes the decision, right? It's also here. It's also in the, in, the, in the frontal lobe. Then we go to the third level, which is our thinking. Thinking. Thinking includes our, our values, includes our belief systems, includes all of our thoughts, right? And the last system, the last... The last in the hierarchy is what? Feelings. feelings, exactly. Feelings is the lowest. Needs to be governed by every other step, right? It needs to be governed by every other step. That's the feelings. Huh? We don't have time. But you write them down, yeah. <laughs> Alright? You have those four levels. And this is actually, this hierarchy of the mind is the converted mindset. It's the converted mind. It's the way God has designed our minds. What happened when sin came in, what happened? Right? Suddenly feelings direct our lives. You know what? Every decision that you take that is based on this way, feelings first, 
every decision, every bad decision that you've taken in your entire life has been because you've taken the decision like this. Every decision, every good decision that you've taken, you've taken it because of this. I'm serious. Conversion makes you only take good decisions. Does that make sense? Because you're doing it the right way. You're doing reason and conscience, uh, identifying will, da 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 da. Alright? So, we don't have time to go into that. Let me read you. I'm going to read you just two, two quotes here that are very, very interesting for the development of our conscience. Actually, our efficiency in ministry, especially in mission work, is dependent on this point, mainly on this point. Let me read you this. Signs of the Times, September 26, 1892. We may live a life of close connection with Jesus, of oneness with Christ. The mind should be kept in a prayerful frame, looking to Jesus moment by moment, every moment. You know, she says, daily we need to surrender to Jesus. But not only daily, Hourly, we need to surrender to Jesus. And moment by moment, we need to surrender to Jesus. We need to live moment by moment, looking to Jesus. And then it says, asking at every step, is this the way of the Lord? This is the way Enoch walked with God. This is the way Enoch walked with God. You know, it is according to the amount of how often you ask this question, God, every day, as to how effective your day is going to be. You know, your whole year, as how much you accomplish, is, is proportionate, it's in direct proportion as to how much you listen to your conscience, as to how much you listen to the voice of God speaking to your heart and your mind it's in direct proportion if you've listened in all of in and you can check your day how much time do you spend listening to god not talking to god okay not blabber mouthing right we, we, our nature is to say oh god this is going on uh, i need to go see you bye right amen bye right that's the nature. But we don't spend a lot of time listening to God. And if we listen to God, actually in direct proportion, in the amount of time that we spend listening to God, you don't need to be praying in your, in your, in your evening devotion or morning devotion to be listening to God. Every moment, moment by no moment. If you're working, whatever you're doing, listening to God in direct proportion will be your success in ministry. In direct proportion. I have probably been this year evaluating my, 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 my year, I, I can't really say, you know, exactly how much percentage, but maybe between one to maybe, what, five percent, okay, has my effectiveness been? Maybe, maybe ten, I don't know, you know. But like, down there, has my effectiveness been in listening to the voice of God on a, on a momentary basis? You know, I can't really identify. You know what I mean, right? But, but, you know, there's a quote, Desire of Ages, page 250. It says, there is no limit. We're going we're gonna to listen to this, this quote tonight as well. 
there is no limit to the usefulness of one who by putting self aside makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. There is no limit to the usefulness of you. Where are you from? Sweden. You're from Sweden. There's no, what's your name? Nicholas. Nicholas. There's no limit to the usefulness of Nicholas in Sweden by putting self aside, right? This is what this is the key, right? We need to learn to put self aside, making room for the Holy Spirit to take over and live a life wholly consecrated to God. No limit. What does that mean? How fast would Sweden be converted? Very fast. There's no limit. If just one person in this room, okay, just Nicholas, you know, sorry I'm picking on you, you know, but anybody, right? If just one person would live a life wholly consecrated to God, putting self aside completely, you know, filling our hearts with, with the Holy Spirit, there's no limit. Hey, in a year, in less than a year, right? Sweden will be converted. There's no limit, no limit to what God can do through any one of us. So it is in direct proportion as to, and how do we surrender practically? Well, by asking this, this, Lord, is this the way? Do I need to do this? This is how we surrender, right? We ask God what, what to do, what to do in every moment, right? So that's very, very important. All right, we need to move because we don't have a lot of time. Okay, let's continue. Number six. Communication, okay? Communication. Communication is very important. Uh, part of communication is delegating, right? Is being able to delegate. You, are, you remember the story of Moses? Moses was overwhelmed with the... Judging all the people, right? Doing all the things. So, so Jethro came along and he said, Hey, you need to start delegating, right? You need to start organizing your system, right? So you have a delegation. You have a coordinator for these guys, a coordinator for those, right? So and so forth, right? That's what the Lord showed me last year, right? It's like, Jesse, you need, you need a coordinator, coordinator for the Spanish course. You need a coordinator for the English course. You need a coordinator for the advanced courses because you can't do it all yourself, Right? Even though you'd like to, but you can't. Right? So that's important. Delegation. Now, delegation is connected with team building. Team building. You need to have an effective team to be able to accomplish something because you can't do it all yourself. You can't do it all yourself. Usually, leaders tend to be um, very, very talented. right? And talented leaders, their problem is that they don't like to give to other people to do their stuff. Right? Because they do it better, in their minds at least, right? So then they have a hard time delegating and giving them the authority and empowering them to be able to do that, right? To be able to say, you know, to, to keep out of their own stuff. You know, there's these micromanagers. You know how that goes, right? They try to do everything because they know how to do everything perfectly, right? So those that you don't want to do that, right? Even though you might think you know, but you don't. You don't. You don't. 
That's really important if you want to build a team, right? And you want to brainstorm with your team in order, not just you telling them, okay, look, this is my idea. Do you do it? If you do that, what happens? Oh, I'm executing this guy's idea, right? Then there's no buy-in. No buy-in. They won't, they won't take it as their own initiative. If you want them to take it as your, their own initiative, you need to do a brainstorm session. Do a brainstorm session. Sit down, pray with them, and work it out. Write on a piece of paper, write all the ideas out, and then start striking out ideas that you don't like, and then you come to the conclusion. All together, you come to the conclusion. That's the idea that we need to do, even though you had it already in your mind. <laughs> but they're now part of the process, right? <laughs> okay? And sometimes, and the point is not for you to implement your idea, but if you do brainstorm, then you get good ideas from others, and sometimes the other people have better ideas than you do. And then you start, oh, you cross out your own idea, and you have to be willing to do that, right? Cross out your own idea and say, wow, this is a much better idea. Let's go with that one. Right. So buy-in, uh, team building is, is, um, is very important. In this manner, in this matter, it's very important, this phrase. It's not, it's not so much what you know, it's more about who you know. It's more about who you know. Obviously, the first person that we need to know is Jesus. Because he's going to be your major counselor for everything. He's going to tell you all the details, all the best ideas. They all come from him, right? All the bad ideas, they all come from you. <laughs> this is my experience. Okay? So, make sure that you... It's not so much of how much you know. It's more about who you know. If you have a friend that, you know, when we started the ministry, man, I... You know, Jose, for instance, he, he thinks, even though I don't, I don't believe him, but he thinks he's not very good at PR, public relations. He's not so good at talking with people and all this stuff. Actually, he's very good at it, but he doesn't like it for some reason, right? So that makes him have a disability in that. So, he, so one of the reasons why he called me to go over there, even though I don't think I'm necessarily the best person for this either, but he thought that Jesse would be a good, good, a good person to have on the team to be able to do that. Because he doesn't know how to do it. So he asked me to do it. Now, I didn't have any clue either. I was 20 years old. What, what am I going to know about PR, right? But anyway, he thought, he thought that that was a good idea. So then, so then I went over there. And so I started doing all the PR. I went to all the union leaders and all the conference leaders and all these people. And started talking to them and starting to develop all the relationships and so forth, right? So that's very important that you... You know, you need to develop a friend, a basis of friends that you can choose from, pick from, to be able to develop a ministry, to be able to develop your, your project, whatever you're going to be doing, right? It's very important. It's friends. It's more, friends can do much more than what you can do. Because God gives talents to everybody, not just you, right? So that's, that's very important. All right. Oh man, we got four minutes. Do four points. <laughs> All right. This was actually a two-hour. It's 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 designed to be a a two-session presentation. Anyway, it's only one now. So, so the next one is a principle, principle-based life. Principle-based life. The next one is. Temperance, temper, temperance, 
nine. Temperance in all things. Okay. And number nine is servant leadership slash humility. And the last one is initiative or proactivity proactivity all right let's go through them very quickly <clears throat> principle based life is is um is very important that you it's part of the hierarchy of the mind right that you don't live and decide upon upon your feelings but that you decide upon your principles that you have established over over time on how you're going to deal with people how are you going to deal with the situation any situation that comes to you that you deal with these situations if anybody comes to me and asks me a question i know how i'm going to react i'm not going to react you know in a in a in a negative way because because it's it's based on the principle of valuing the other person more than myself does that make sense so that's really important understand principle based life a principle based life not to be swayed just because i don't feel good this morning doesn't mean that i don't need to have a morning devotion right if jesus would have be, would have based his decisions on feeling instead of principles he would have never died at the cross for anybody does that make sense he wouldn't have, right? No, it's because the principle of love, of thinking more for others than himself, that he died at the cross, right? If it was for his feelings, believe me, he would have not been there, right? So, same with us, right? If we don't feel good, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't, shouldn't do whatever, whatever, whatever I need to do, right? Whether I feel right or wrong, it's the principle that counts, right? It's the principle that counts. The feelings will come afterwards. Temperance in all things. Effective leadership is important. Uh, temperance is very important for effective leadership because you learn, you learn that it's not only work that makes you successful. It is exercise every day that makes you successful, that makes your brain work a lot faster, right? Actually, it, it, can, it, can, actually, it can actually make your brain go twice as fast if you do exercise every day. Right, you you get you get way more done if you just invest a half an hour here, a half an hour there for for exercise in the fresh air and so forth. Right, temperance in all things, drinking, exercise, and so forth. Right. So if you do if you do these 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 laws of of life of temperance, temperance. The definition of temperance means abstaining from all harmful things. And in moderation, those things that are good, right? In moderation, those things that are good. And nothing of any harmful thing, right? So, you, you understand. Servant leadership. Paul says in Galatians 6 verse 3, he says, what does he say? Galatians 6 verse 3. He says, if any man thinks that he's something when he's nothing, 
He deceiveth himself. Amen. He deceives himself. This is really important, okay? The Bible understanding of self-esteem. You know, psychology, worldly psychology teaches you that you need to have a really good self-esteem in order for you to be successful and all this stuff. Actually, it's not, that's not biblical psychology at all. Biblical psychology means that if any man thinks that he is something when he's actually what? nothing he deceives himself if we think that we're something then we depend less on God does that make sense so if we depend if we learn that we are actually nothing that there's nothing in us that that can convince God to work with us okay there's nothing in us you know that God doesn't call you God has not called me to leadership because I have anything to offer God you know I thought this when I started I thought this in Honduras in the beginning I thought, oh, maybe God called me to go to Honduras because I'm Swiss or because I'm Norwegian or, you know, whatever, right? Because, because I have uh, a talent here or a talent there, right? That's, you know, that's the biggest lie that the devil can put into your brain. I'm serious. God does not need your talents. God does not need you at all, right? God works for, with you. You know, God called me because I need probably the most help of, of, of most people I need more help than most people actually the more you grow in leadership the more you realize the more help you need right so actually the, the, the call to leadership is a, is a humbling experience it's really a humbling experience because you realize that you do not have anything to offer God you don't have anything to offer God so don't deceive yourself thinking that you're something when you're actually nothing, okay? God loves us be, in spite of who we are. God calls us to leadership in spite of all of our defects, okay? God called Israel, Deuteronomy 7 verse 7, because you were the least of all the people. It says, it says there, Deuteronomy 7 verse 7, you were the least of all the nations. That's why I called you. Actually, Next chapter it says, I called you because you were a stiff-necked people. So God has called me, why? Because I'm a stiff-necked people, right? So He calls us to ministry. He actually calls us to missionary work, mainly to save our own souls. It is actually, according to the book Education, page 264, it is the only means, missionary work is the only means by which God can develop your character. And you know that character is the only thing that goes to heaven, right? So, if missionary work is the only means to develop your character, what does that mean? If you don't get into mission work, where are you going? You went downstairs, right? Yeah, you're not, you're, not, you're not going upstairs because it's character that brings you upstairs, right? It's the only thing that goes to heaven. So, if mission work is the only thing to develop character, oh boy. Oh boy, we need to get into mission work. Amen. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. Last point. Proactivity and initiative. Initiative means, actually the spirit behind it is a service-mindedness. Okay? A, a spirit of service. And that is the spirit of the gospel. That is the essence of the gospel. Is to serve people. To think more for others than for yourself. To, to serve an initiative, taking initiative is part of that. Is when you see something, when you see something on the floor, do you walk by? 
No, you pick it up, right? You pick it up. Initiative. Do a little bit more than what is expected of you. Always do a little bit more, a little bit beyond your job description. If you do a little bit beyond, people will see that. People will want to take you into more and more leadership because you do beyond what is expected of you. Okay? All right. That's initiative, proactivity. Man, we went through so much, so many things. I'm sure all of our minds are blowing up. So let's uh, pray that the Lord can order all of these things into our minds correctly. I hope this has been a blessing. I hope that, that, uh, that it, it, it has helped you. It has helped me tremendously in my life. And I'm still learning. Believe me. Oh man, I'm just starting. You know, <laughs> Next year, a leadership program like this will be completely different again. You know, Because you learn so many more things. If you're open. Okay. All right. So let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you call us to be leaders in spite of us, Lord. Oh, Lord, praise God that it doesn't depend on us of, of how you view us and how you look at us and how you want to help us and the potential that you see in us. Lord, thank you so much and thank you that you allow us to work with you. Lord, it is the, tr- the greatest privilege that we have to be able to cooperate with you, have you as our boss. Man, it's the, it's the best thing because you teach us in detail how we can be more efficient, more effective, more loving, more generous, more goodness, more everything, Lord. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, please, please help us to live our lives according to these principles that are rooted in the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.